The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, The Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Thursday morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so. Uh, go to SonsOfLibertyRadio.com or SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, and you want to join us in on the video portion of the radio show, just scroll down on the right side of the page. Now, if you're using a mobile device, a lot of times they have this, uh, our website will come up with a, it's mobile formatted, which means you don't get the stuff on the right. So if you've got something, I know like a Chrome browser there, you can click on the little dots and change it to a desktop version just so you can pull up the video, and you can go back to the the other later, but just so you can pull up the video, and we are going live on the right side of the page. Just enlarge that. You can see the face is made for radio, and then also you can click onto that, and you can join us in the chat. we got a lot of people in the chat this morning. Good to see everyone there, and I'm always uh, impressed with... uh, uh, Bethany's new come up, uh, new phrases that she comes up with for our introduction and different things that she's got there. I won't cover up my beautiful smile with a diaper face or a dirty face diaper. Good or a slow su- suicide shot. Uh, I, I'm always tickled at that. Very clever. Um, right above where we're going live is Bradley's show from yesterday. You can watch that if you missed it. And he also goes live at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central today. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. That's where you want to be if you want to catch the show later on this afternoon. And right above that is where we ask that you subscribe to our email newsletter. Again, we don't rent your email. We don't spam you. We don't sell your email to anybody. You get one email from us, and that's it. Okay? 
Uh, we're not following you around all over the internet as to where you go and what sites you visit and stuff like that. We don't do that stuff. There, there are trackers in there, but the, the trackers tell us who opened them and, uh, and who clicked on them. That's virtually all it tells us. Um, and, uh, so, but that's the only kind of any, any of that stuff that's there. Sign up for that. You get one email a day, all the articles we have on sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then you also, uh, get the morning show archive. So you'll get this in the archive format, um, video pod, video, the podcast, all the links, all the videos I'm going to show you. Um, <laughs> I, some of this is absolute. it would, it would be. It would be comical if the situation wasn't so serious, okay? So <clears throat> just keep that in mind, what I'm going to show you. It would be comical if it wasn't so serious. If you agree with our message, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. We don't ask you for money. We tell you we have needs because it does cost money to do what we do just like it costs money to do everything that you guys do uh, in, your, in your life. You have bills to pay. We got them too. And uh, so if you're able and you want to, uh, help the Sons of Liberty and join and partner with us, there's a donate button. You make a one-time donation, or you can become a son or daughter of Liberty, which is a monthly partner in support of what we do, and we appreciate your support very much. And then finally, we've got a store button, sonsoflibertymedia.com, right there in the middle at the top of the page. Click onto that, pick up some great uh, products for yourself or for gifts. Maybe you got somebody having a birthday coming up or some kind of celebration. I know there's graduation, all kinds of things coming up. Uh, pick up some of those things, those items that will edify and build up somebody uh, rather than something that's not going to point them towards Christ, uh, towards integrity, towards honor, towards the law, towards the gospel, any of these kinds of things. Get them something that will, will edify them and uh, and build them up. Now, with that said, yesterday... And uh, I talked about it on the show on Tuesday afternoon when I filled in for Bradley. I talked about this guy, David Chipman, who is the illegitimate President Biden's um, ATF nominee to head the unconstitutional ATF. Now, listen, uh, last year, I believe it was last year, I had uh, Brian who would come on with me. And uh, he had been in several um, agencies within the federal government during his time up there in D.C. And one of the things he told me was, he says, you know, the ATF was originally formed over taxes on firearms. And that was what it was. Well, now it's it's become something, I mean, just completely different. It, is, it isn't about taxes on firearms so much. It's about controlling what firearms you can have, which ones you can't, how many they're going to walk across the Mexican border. I mean, um keeping people from gun running <laughs> and all of that, right? I say that tongue-in-cheek because nobody has still been brought to justice out of this unconstitutional agency. And you say, why do you call it an unconstitutional agency, Tim? Well, that's very simple. The Constitution says that there is one body that enforces law, and that would include tax law, Okay. There's one body that does that, and there's one man that heads that body to make sure that laws, those laws are enforced. So, again, when you talk about the Second Amendment, those who will not bring the militia into the Second Amendment are not protecting all of the Second Amendment, because the militia, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15, are the, are the duly responsible party, agency, if you will, <laughs> to enforce the law. And they're the only ones in the Constitution said that. And addition to that is the president. He is the one who can call up the militia, and he is the one to make sure the laws are faithfully executed. And guys, I, whether you're a Trump fan or not, I'm just going to tell you, like I tell, it, it doesn't matter who the, the, the president would be, when all those riots were going on and things were out of control in major cities, I respected President Trump for saying, look, I'm not just going to go send the feds in there right off the bat. You governors, get it under control. Okay? And they had, that, they had the same ability to shut it down with the National Guard, even though I don't think the National Guard is really constitutional. I don't think our founding fathers had any concept of wanting to have a federal militia. I don't think they wanted that at all. So 
he could have done he he could have come in after they didn't do anything and just shut it down with the militia, but he didn't do it. That's what the militia is for: repel invasions, suppress insurrections, all of these kinds of things. That falls in line with the Second Amendment. Now we have this agency here that is enforcing law, but they're not mentioned in the Constitution. And there's a reason for that. The federal government does not want the people it serves to be the enforcers of the law. They want to be it. That's why they're paying people, giving them checks, and in many cases these agencies are violating the law. They're violating the Constitution. We saw it under Trump with these knuckleheads redefining what it is to be a machine gun to a bump stock. Okay? We saw the push here for red flag laws, a violation of virtually all of the Bill of Rights. This this coming out of the, the ATF. We've seen in the past the ATF be involved in Operation Fast and Furious, gun running thousands of guns and losing track of them to Mexico, trying to pin it on the America. It was the American people's fault. Remember Barack Obama talked about as you know is really the american pete he didn't use those words but i'm paraphrasing what he's getting at we can't have all these guns everywhere remember he went to, to mexico and said that and yet his administration is responsible for every one of those guns that went across the line the deaths of over a thousand people that i know of including two federal agents here on our soil and hundreds of mexicans And yet, we still have this thing here. Now listen, as far as I'm concerned, any senator worth his salt who who would know the Constitution, who would be interviewing this guy, Dick, uh, Dick, David Chipman, the first thing they would say is, the ATF is unconstitutional. I will not support anybody that is going into that office. Democrat, Republican, swamp creature, not swamp creature, whatever, they would say this is an unconstitutional agency. And they would point back to the Constitution as to who the law law enforcement people are to be, and that's the militia. That's you and me, brothers, out there. All right? Sorry, ladies, it it doesn't apply to you. I know some of you have the gumption. I, I said this before, it doesn't apply to you. It applies to the men. Men to be men. Okay? So we, we had some things that went on yesterday, and, um, you know, look, I, the NRA has done some good things throughout their history, especially, I think, on some of the things they used to do in the schools with the young people and, and uh, training uh, marksmen and stuff. Um, I, I, think that's, I think that was great. But they have sold out the American people their rights under the Second Amendment over and over and over and over throughout their history. Um, what I'll do, I'm not going to touch on that because I'm, I'm going to be focused on uh, a Chipman here and uh, what our founders had to say about the Second Amendment. But one of the things is, is that they wrote this, they wrote this piece here and um, they touch on a few things. On Wednesday... And this is coming from the NRA's Institute for Legislative Action. Again, I, I'm don't, I don't put the NRA in, in high regard myself, uh, but sometimes a lot of the things that they write, they actually write, are actually good. The problem is in the practice of what goes on when they're you know, at parties and they're, they're um, uh, sorting out trying to compromise our rights. That's where the problem comes in. So this is the NRA ILA. It says, on Wednesday, the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee held a confirmation hearing for several Biden administration nominees, including professional gun control activists. I like the way they put that. He was a professional gun control lobbyist. We talked about that on, um, I believe that was Tuesday. David Chipman, for director of the federal agency that enforces the nation's gun control laws, which they're not supposed to be any, commonly referred to as ATF. Chipman's evasive, contradictory, and dishonest testimony disqualify. Well, why are we surprised he had dis, uh, 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 a dishonest testimony? This is the same guy that at Waco lied about Americans to America, saying that the Branch Davidians used two fifty caliber 
uh, rifles to take down two National Guard helicopters, something that never happened. So we should not be surprised that this guy is dishonest in his testimony. They say it disqualified him from further consideration for the position. Well, I told you that before they even interviewed him. If the guy's going to lie about Americans to America, he's not. He's disqualified, period. The structure of the hearing was designed to prevent serious in-depth vetting of various candidates. Each committee member was limited to five minutes of questioning. Well, they do this all the time. They, they are limited to five minutes all the time of questioning for the entire slate of five high-level nominees. The Democrat-led committee no doubt hoped that hiding Chipman in a crowd of other nominees would diminish the scrutiny brought to bear on his highly controversial nomination. The gambit did not work. Pro-gun com- committee members were able to elicit sufficient information to demonstrate that Chipman lacks the professionalism, honesty, candor, and fairness necessary to enforce the law in an unbiased manner to the benefit of the American people. Well, let me tell you something. Any of these ATF requirements that they have that is called law is not law. It is not for the benefit of the American people. Okay? It is pretended law. The most damning testimony that Chipman provided concerned his desire to ban so-called assault weapons. You're going to like this. If you got if you guys didn't see some of this testimony, I'm going to play you some stuff. You're just going to you're you're going to go, "What? How does this guy get nominated and can't give you a definition of assault weapon?" But hold on to your hat, okay? Chipman has a long record as a paid gun control advocate. Again, we need to change that up. A paid gun confiscation advocate. That's what it is. All gun control leads to gun confiscation. The point of writing pretended law is to get people in trouble to take their guns. That's what that's what it's about. He has a long record of paid gun confiscation advocate of supporting sweeping efforts to outlaw some of America's most popular rifles, including the iconic AR-15. He is also on record insisting that the prior federal assault weapons ban did not go far enough. Now, do you guys remember, uh, because some of the things, what he says here in just a second is absolutely incredible. In fact, I think it rivals what Dianne Feinstein put out as her assault weapons ban following Sandy Hook. Do you guys remember that? It was a thing of trying to take the, what was the the uh, the particular rifle, the AR-15 that was used, uh, allegedly used in the shooting there at Sandy Hook. Um, the Bush, Bushmaster, I think it was, um, they, they tried to, to frame it as, oh, we're going after this kind of stuff, right? And then when the bill came out, it was virtually every gun you could think of except for maybe a Derringer and a revolver. This took on your semi-automatic handguns. It took on rifles, uh, not just those that were quote-unquote scary looking. It was any semi-automatic weapon. I mean, literally, it was that. That's what she put out. Now, I want you to listen to... Some of the clips here from yesterday, right? This is uh, this is Chipman being asked by a Senator Cotton about what an assault weapon is. Check this out. What is an assault weapon? Any semi-automatic rifle capable of accepting a detachable magazine. One second here. Is it me or does this guy sound just offended? Any little... Anything that has got a detachable. I mean, you know, Bradley talked yesterday about the effeminate sodomites used in the Nazis uh, during the Nazi era. And this guy just sounds effeminate. I'm sorry. It's just something I'll pick up on. Um, Above the caliber of 22, which would include a 223, which is, you know, largely the AR 15 round. Jason, he just named almost every every firearm in America today. That's right. It, literally everyone. You know, for an administration that claims to be, quote, unifying and want to unite, bring people together, they sure picked the most divisive candidate that they could have found to All run right. ATF. Let me back it up and hear it again. Any semi-automatic rifle 
capable of accepting a detachable magazine um, above the caliber of 22, which would include a 223, which is, you know, largely the yeah. AR-15 round. Okay. All right. So what he says is when he's asked to define an assault weapon, when he says, what is an assault weapon? Anything that has a detachable magazine and has a caliber above a, two, a 22. Basically, a 223 is just a little bit longer bullet, but the same caliber. Okay. And it's got a whole lot more powder in it. <laughs> okay. But you got to understand what that includes. That includes all kinds of small firearms, a 38, 357, 45, 40s, okay? He's saying all of those are assault weapons. So for those of you who don't get it, this would be an assault weapon. Okay, this this thing right here would be an assault. Now it would be, it it literally would be an assault weapon if I had to use it on somebody. Okay, yeah, a twenty five as well. That's what this guy is saying is an assault weapon. Do you see how they've moved the goal? They've moved them with Feinstein. I'm telling you, go back and look at it. When they came out after Sandy Hook, she was doing the same thing. It was the same stuff. But this is what this guy said. Yeah, 380 as well. All right, so obviously an assault weapon is some kind of label that's been made up, okay? And some people want to say, oh, well, it applies to fully automatic weapons, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, the ATF wants to basically make you pay more money to get a fully um, automatic weapon. Okay. You can get them. You just have to pay them more money. They're going to extort you for I don't $300 the last time I saw. You can get a fully automatic weapon. You're just going to be extorted by the ATF for it. Okay. So we've got this going on. And here's this guy, Chipman again. And here we have Senator Kennedy. And he's going to ask him about the definition of an assault weapon. All right, here we go. What's an assault weapon? Yeah, Senator, uh, um, the bill uh, to ban assault what, weapons is what is your dozens of pages. Of There's weapon. no way I could define an assault weapon. You don't have any. You're going to run an a, this agency, and you don't have a definition of assault weapon. But I would be enforcing the definition that members yeah, of Congress. Yeah, but you're going to be passed. issuing rules and regulations. Just give me your definition. Um, I'll give you one definition that ATF. Give me your definition. Uses. One definition that ATF currently... Give me your definition. I can give you one definition. If you won't answer my question, how can I vote for you? I'm done, Mr. Chairman. I don't think I'm going to get an answer. What's an assault weapon? No, he's not going to get an answer, and that's that's the problem. This guy's going to go and he says, oh, the ATF uh, does it this way. Well, wait a minute. You know, when we had Trump in office, the definition of a machine gun, which, again... I mean, guys, you should not be barred from having a machine gun if you want a machine gun. Or any other arm. Okay? This is what it gets to when it says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It doesn't say the right to keep and bear arms shall be infringed only or shall not be infringed except in the case if a gun fires too many bullets too fast. Or if a knife is too long, or if a lock blade has too long of a blade, or whatever. It doesn't say that. It says it shall not be infringed. It doesn't say you can be extorted to use your rights. Your rights are God-given. They come from God. And yet, here's a guy pushing the narrative of assault weapons, and he knows good and well that if he gets into this position, he can go in there and start altering definitions and nobody's going to do anything to him. And by the way, the ATF should not be coming up with the definition of any of this stuff. This is, I don't even think Congress has the authority to write these laws that define these things. I don't, I don't see in the Constitution where they do. I really don't. But it's not just that.
we're talking about is dishonesty. Um, it was Josh Howley. He tweeted out today, I asked Joe Biden's nominee for ATF about his previous comments that the Secret Service should use guns or shouldn't use guns and that cops at schools shouldn't use them either. He denied saying that about the Secret Service, but here's the transcript. And again, he was appearing on Hardball. Here's, here was the conversation. Chris Matthews said, wait a minute, are you saying the Secret Service isn't necessary? Mr. Chipman said, that's not what I said. Well, what do you mean? Chipman said, what I said is their use of guns, shooting guns, is not necessary. Hmm. Okay. That doesn't make any sense at all. Okay. Matthew says, because their whole rule is to cover and evacuate, that's what they do. Chipman said, okay. Matthew says, get the president out of there. That's what they're, that's what they're there for. So Matthew's just trying to find a way to agree with him. Okay. That they don't need guns, they just got to get the president out and cover and evacuate. Yeah, forget shooting back at anybody who might be shooting. Okay, and Chipman says, so possibly we need to think of strategies like that in schools. Of course he's saying it. Of course he's saying this about Secret Service. Of course he's saying this about the cops in the schools. Look, I am for, I've been very upfront. After Sandy Hook, I saw the NRA come out saying, you know, they're supposed to be quote-unquote conservative right? They're supposed to be smaller government. And have you ever noticed, it doesn't matter, they don't, they don't, Democrats, uh, I'm, I'm just going to use the, the terms here so you see it. The Democrats are always big government in some way or another, big on welfare state for sure, okay? But the Republican guys, their solutions are always big government. They say they're not for big government, but they're for big government. And what happened when uh, Sandy Hook took place? Well, the NRA came out and said, we need School resource officers in every school in the in the country. And they were willing to get federal dollars to do it. Let me tell you what we need. One, we need to rethink the whole idea of public school anyway. That I I'm not I'm not let me let me define that. I'm not against schools that are in the community that parents have authority over. Not against that at all. But I am against schools, every one of them, in which government is controlling. Every one of them. Okay? Because government's place is not in the business of education. It is not. I can tell you, though, how you could deal with the issue in schools. Get rid of the cops out of the schools... And all of your teachers who have concealed carry, ensure that they're trained and leave them alone. Let them exercise their rights. If people trust their kids with a teacher who's going to indoctrinate them to be status all day long, why don't they trust them uh, to have a weapon to protect those kids? Hmm? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Anyway, moving on here. There are some other things. Here is um, Senator Grassley, and here's what he had to say. But day-to-day, ATF plays a significant role in the legal trade of firearms in this country. Many see putting a command-committed gun control proponent like Mr. Chipman in charge of ATF is like putting a tobacco executive in charge of the Department of Health and Human Services, or Antifa in charge of the Portland Police Department. I hope, but day-to-day... <laughs> Antifa in charge of the police department. That's that's hilarious. Okay, so the guys get what's going on here. All right, now, here is Senator Cruz, all right? And listen to the exchange that goes on here. The AR-15 is one of, if not the most popular rifle in America. It's not a machine gun. It's a rifle. Uh, your public position is that you want to ban AR-15s. Uh, with respect to the AR-15, uh, I support uh, a, a ban as, um, as has been presented um, in uh, a Senate bill uh, and supported by the president. Senator Feinstein had a bill uh, to ban some 2,000 specified rifles and, and other firearms in her bill which a supermajority of senators voted against in a Democratic Senate, 
You said that bill didn't go far enough and you wanted an even broader ban to ban. You, you said it didn't go far enough. Is that right? Um, Senator, thanks for that question and the ability to, to clarify. What I did say is that Senator Feinstein's bill uh, did not um, address uh, those firearms um, that are currently in the possession of Americans. You mean that you don't just want to ban the manufacturer of those rifles. You don't just want to make it illegal to sell those rifles but you want to actively have government go after the people who currently possess firearms, and if they don't register and submit to all of the onerous restrictions of the National Firearms Act, presumably confiscate their weapons? Senator, um, what I've said publicly is that uh, as an advocate, uh, I prefer a system where the AR-15 and other assault weapons are regulated under the National Firearms Act. They are fit. Okay, so what? What he just answered Ted without saying yes. That's what I mean because that would have just. He tried to couch his yes. I agree with that. I want to confiscate them because I want people to hear this National Firearms Act, which shouldn't even be. It's pretended law, folks. It's pretended law. So he's asked this guy can't define an assault weapon, and on top of that. He wants to confiscate them. He's telling you that right there. And the fact checkers, you can knock yourself out, you know, flagging me, censoring me, or whatever you want to do. That's what he said. Because Cruz pointed out that under that act, there would be confiscation. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that, that question, Senator Cruz. Uh, uh, you know, I, I would want to enforce all these things about the National Firearms Act. Dude, just say yes. I want to confiscate the guns of people who aren't obeying our pretended legislation, our pretended laws, instead of upholding the Constitution, which he, if he is nominated, if he's confirmed, okay, if he's confirmed this position, he will violate his oath right off the bat by, by even thinking the things he's thinking and he's saying here in this hearing. Now, a couple of things. I said that anybody who talks about the Second Amendment and doesn't bring in the, e- the, the, the issue of the militia is not protecting the Second Amendment. Now, why do I say that? Let me give you a few founders' issues, and then let me also give you some of what Scripture says. Okay? This is Noah Webster. He says, and I want you to listen very, very carefully here. You're wondering why everybody's buying guns now. And by the way, if you're buying guns, you really only need one good handgun and then get rifles. Okay, (laughs) That's what I say you do. Here's what Noah Webster said. Before a standing army can rule, the people must be disarmed. As they are in almost every kingdom of Europe, The supreme power in America cannot enforce unjust laws by the sword. He's talking about a a central government, a federal government. They can't enforce unjust laws by the sword. And why is that, Noah? Because the whole body of the people are armed and constitute a force superior to any band of regular troops that can be on any pretense raised in the United States. Here's the real problem, though, that we have today. The problem that we have today is those who are armed, many of them are untrained. And those that are trained, of those who are trained, many of them have not been trained to work together as a militia or as a group. And I think this is why this is so important. You're talking about bringing community back. And again, I use the illustration of volunteer fire departments. If you've got a volunteer fire department in your area, those guys are as thick as thieves. They uh, build community together. They work together. They put out fires together. They save people's lives together. They build a relationship with one another in which they can work together or because they're working together. And I'd love to see militias spring up all over the sovereign states of the U.S., in which those communities get, they, the, the relationships get forged together. 
in a similar manner to the volunteer fire department. I think that's exactly what the militia used to be. It was a community effort um, made up of sovereign individuals, okay, who were enforcing the law. Now, with that said, that is that is what they want to do. They want to bring in a standing army, and our founding fathers were against a standing army. They made provision within the Constitution that you could have an army, um, and you had to renew it every two years. But we obviously had a navy that's mentioned in there in the in the Constitution. Uh, but as far as a an army, they were against a standing army, and if they had to have if they had to pull together an army to fight, that was only going to be good for two years, and they were going to then you had to re up it by uh, Congress. All right. So here's another quote from Patrick Henry. Oh, sir, we should have fine times indeed if to punish tyrants it were only sufficient to assemble the people. Your arms wherewith you could defend yourselves are gone and you have no longer an aristocratical nor longer a democratical spirit. Did you ever read of any revolution in a nation brought about by the punishment of those in power inflicted by those who had no power at all? No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Another quote. Again, I read this from, excuse me, Tuesday's show from Elbridge Jerry. Whenever governments mean to invade the rights and liberties of the people, they always attempt to destroy the militia in order to raise an army upon their ruins. That's not a quote, a modern quote. That's, that quote is a couple hundred years old. Men haven't changed, people. They, they just haven't changed. Here's another one, Thomas Jefferson. For a people who are free and who mean to remain so, a well-organized and armed militia is their best security. Now, why is this so important? Well, when you go over into Samuel, 1 Samuel, You'll read how God laid out how the militia was to function, who was to be in it. Remember, they had all these guys come together. And God had said, well, wait a minute. If a guy is betrothed to a woman, let him go back and get married and enjoy the the wife he's got. If he's planted a vineyard but he hasn't partaken of the fruit, let him go back and enjoy that. If he's a coward, let him go back and, and, and not be a part of what's going on. All this stuff, okay, that allowed for people to be out of the militia. And then those who were in the militia were young men who were set to fight. They could be focused on the fight and not be distracted by a wife or their farm or being a coward, whatever the case may be. And they wouldn't be a danger not only to themselves, but to their fellow militiamen. Okay? But we read in 1 Samuel chapter 13... Something very interesting, and I want to point something out that has uh, that has taken place when with stuff like what we talk about on Wednesday. Okay, this is First Samuel chapter thirteen, and I've given this to you before, but notice this: they're getting ready for battle. Verse nineteen says there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. Okay? So, the battle is coming up, and somebody was not trained in smithing. Okay? They weren't trained in that in Israel. Why? Well, we have, um, it was Matthew Henry... No, no, it was John Gill. I'm sorry. John Gill comments this. He says, Now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. The Philistines, when they ruled over them, having removed them into their own country and forbid any to learn or exercise that trade in Israel. See, their enemies had come in and said, No, 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 we don't want you learning this trade. We don't want you making weapons. Does that sound familiar today? Because I'm going to tell you, the people up in D.C. who have the same attitude, they're not Americans. They're foreigners. They're trying to institute foreign tyranny to America. 
The guild goes on and says, For the listing said, Lest the Hebrews make swords and spears. They did it, This they did to prevent their having arms and the use of them, that they might not rebel against them and fight with them and overcome them. It was a piece of policy. Does that sound familiar too? To keep them subject to them. Pretty interesting. See, the Bible's not so outdated, is it? It's not just some ancient book that has nothing to say to us today. No, there are lessons to be learned. In fact, over in 1 Samuel chapter 13, we'll continue. It says, But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his mattock. Yet they had a file for the mattocks. So, so the, the, the Israelites had a file where they could you know, sharpen something up that they needed to. But to really take care of all the other stuff, they had to go to the Philistines. They had to go to their masters at the time. So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan, but with Saul and with Jonathan his son was there found. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. Now, there there is an amazing thing that happens in the next chapter that demonstrates that even though you have weapons, our trust is not to be in the weapons. It is to be in the God who goes before us into battle. Because Jonathan, realizing nobody else has weapons except him and his dad, what happens? Well, he goes up there with his armor bearer, and the Bible says that God put put fear in the hearts of the Philistines, and Jonathan whooped them. That's southern word for open a can right? (laughs) He whooped them. And he did so because God had already put fear in their hearts. Read that. That's 1 Samuel chapter 14. So the strength of the American people is not in their arms. Okay? But that doesn't deny that we need arms. And I can show you all throughout Scripture. We can go with David. We can go with Jonathan. We can go with Virtually anybody who was a warrior, they didn't go out empty-handed. David went out with a sling and a stone and a couple of stones. Jonathan went with a sword. So they didn't go out unprepared, but they went out in the power of the Lord. That's the issue. That's the issue. Okay? I don't want us to get off and think that that the arm of the flesh is somehow greater than the power of the Spirit of God. Okay? So we've got this, we've got this going on. We've got Jesus, and again, some people have a hard time uh, understanding Jesus' words at the Last Supper where he says, hey, you know, you remember when I sent you out with nothing and everything was taken care of. Now I'm telling you, you know, go get you a sword. Take it with you. What's he talking about? Well, Jesus is obviously not talking about converting people at the tip of a sword. That's some other religion, (laughs) okay? That's not Christianity, but he says, you go get a sword. Now, why is he saying to do that? He says, I said, don't take an extra get Take one. I sent you out without a money bag. You need some money. And people would jump right over the next chapter and say, well, see, he said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, he told Peter to put his sword away. Yeah, he did. Because Peter had not been listening for weeks or years. Because Jesus kept telling his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, you're going to see them flog me, I'm going to be given over to them, they're going to kill me, but I'm going to raise, I'm going to raise the third day. And disciples just didn't get it. They didn't think that was what it was going to be. Especially if they rode in and all the palm branches are put down. Well, here's the thing. When he first sent them out, he was there. And he knew what was going to happen when he sent them out by twos, right? Remember that? With, with no provision. He wanted to see if they would trust God. And they did. And when he sends them out this time and he talks about getting a sword, what's he talking about? Well, he's obviously talking about they're going to go out through all the world. His command to them is start here in Jerusalem, move out into Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world, right? That's what he told them to do. So they're going to be traveling a lot. And traveling wasn't getting on a plane. It wasn't just hopping in your car. A lot of times they would walk. A lot of times, maybe sometimes they were fortunate enough to, to get to ride a horse, but most of the time they would probably walk. 
was a long journey. There were thieves on the side of the road. And they would have to fend them, fend those guys off if that was the case. It was just simply self-defense. That's it. Wasn't to brandish a knife, a sword, or any of that stuff. It was for protection so that they could do their duty, so they could do their job. I don't know where people get off on this thing and saying, well, it's the New Testament, so all this stuff is just done away with. Well, wait a minute. No, it's not. The ceremonial law is, yeah, because the Christ has come. But I don't see Jesus saying, you don't, you don't conduct yourself to defend yourself against those who, who jump on you, who want to rob you and beat you, maybe kill your family or whoever else you're with. You don't do that. Okay? So let's bring it back to what we're seeing today. This guy, Chipman. Again, I think any senator worth their salt who knows the Constitution would simply come up to this issue. Every time there's a nominee for an unconstitutional federal agency, they would say, I'm not going to vote for you. I don't even need to hear about you because this agency shouldn't exist according to our Constitution. That would be an honest answer. Just saying. That would be an honest answer. But we've got attorney generals on both sides of the issue of Mr. Chipman. 17 Democrat, and I I gave you the story the other day, 17 Democrat state attorneys general are encouraging Chipman's confirmation. The attorney general, attorneys general led by Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro, wrote to Senate leaders, quote, as the chief law enforcement, As the chief law and law enforcement officers in our respective states and territories, many of us regularly work with ATF to combat violent criminals and gun trafficking in our communities. You're not actually upholding the law, to be honest, working with the ATF. They're an unconstitutional agency. You're working with the lawless to, quote-unquote, go after, quote-unquote, lawless, whatever. Whatever. Our partnerships with ATF have proven invaluable in eliminating criminal organizations, fighting gun trafficking, and ensuring that the reasonable restrictions placed on gun possession are enforced without harming law-abiding citizens' Second Amendment rights. (laughs) It's a joke. This is a joke. Mr. Chipman understands the agency inside and out, having served there for 25 years. What the attorneys general didn't mention, of course, is that Chipman also knows the gun control movement inside and out. And see, therein lies the issue. That old thing from the art of war, you know yourself, you know your enemy, you've got a tremendous advantage. And this guy knows it. He does know this. However, these 17... State attorneys general have another group of attorney generals and they wrote to Schumer, McConnell, Grassley, and Durbin. They wrote a, a lengthy letter. Let's see. Boy, we got, uh, we got several in here. This is uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20. We've got 20... Uh, signatures from Kentucky, South Dakota, North Dakota, Utah, Texas, South Carolina, Kansas, Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, Arizona, West Virginia, Arkansas, Alaska, Mississippi, Louisiana, Missouri, Ohio, Indiana, and Montana. Those attorney generals of those states signed on to this letter opposing, and it's it's just a four-letter, um, it's a four-letter, it's a four-page letter to these senators. And it opposes the confirmation of David Chipman. They say, as Attorney General, Attorneys General, we took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States and protect the rights and freedoms of our constituents. These responsibilities force us to stand in opposition to Mr. Chipman's nomination and support of our, con- of our constituents' rights. All right. So there it is. You've got these guys opposing him as well. But again, it's not just about having a gun. A lot of people have guns. 
330 or 60 million people, however many we have here in America now, and more than a third of those have guns of some kind or some form. And it's great that they have that. I love to read the stories where individuals stop other individuals from committing crimes or stop them in the midst of a crime. Isn't a police officer, it's usually a civilian who do this. And yet, what happens? Well, oftentimes, the militias are not formed. And that is the key here. Don't think I'm trying to make too much of this. Because this is the simplicity of what needs to happen. You and I have our rights, which are liberties or authorities. That, let's think of it that way. Instead of it saying that we have rights, let's say that we have liberty to keep and bear arms. And why do we have that? So we can be a part of the militia to secure a free state. That's also part of the Second Amendment. And so we can be used to do our duty because we have liberties to do duty in enforcing the law. Again, this is a hard concept for many of us to grasp because we weren't taught any of it. We didn't have parents who brought us up as part of the militia and teaching us why this was important and showing us how to do that and how to to be involved in that and do our duty. We didn't have any of that. I certainly didn't. But I see it so clearly now because of what we see in Scripture. It was the people enforcing the law. They didn't have a police force. They didn't have uh, a, a big government thing. They didn't have any of that. The people knew what the law was, and they carried out the punishments as they were rendered. And you know what? You didn't have to worry about universal background checks because all the guys who had committed crimes worthy of death were six feet under. (laughs) They weren't sitting in a prison house while everybody paid to keep them up and said, you just get a big, long time out. Because that's what jail is. It's just a time out. You get time out. The referee threw the flag and you get time out. By the way, players, you're going to be paying to keep him up for his time out. I mean, that's really what jail is. It's not justice. And it's because the people have abandoned their duty that they've given it over to tyrants who oppress them. Like this chap, Chipman. And some of, even, look, even some of the senators who were questioning him, who had good questions for him on this issue, some of them sell us out too. So, What do we need to keep in mind here? Well, let's go to James Madison. Always remember that an armed and trained militia is the firmest bulwark of republics. That without standing armies, their liberty can never be in danger, nor with large ones safe. Now, listen. I am not against people in the military. But I'm going to tell you this. This building up of military is not an American tradition. It really isn't. This building up of a standing army is not American. It's not. You will not find any of that in the writings of the founders. You certainly are not going to find it in the Bible. And that is a threat to the people. If you don't believe me, I want to ask a question to every person involved in the military right now who believes the election was stolen. If you just believe the election was stolen. Or if you believe the the Constitution is being violated all over the place. Why are you not doing your duty and putting a stop to it? Because you're the guys who take the oath. I'm just asking a question. You're the guys who take the oath. I haven't took it. Why isn't it being stopped? Why does it keep going on? You see how the manipulation can occur? It's, uh, it's, it's pretty rough. Guys, I'm going to hang with you just a couple of minutes. I'm not going to go way over, but I've got a couple of more quotes I want to share with you because I think that it's important that we hear from those who face the tyranny and they won the day. 
Bradley will be on with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. SonsLibertyMedia.com. I'll see you at 6 a.m. tomorrow, unless you want to join me. See you. Okay, all right. Well, I want to welcome everybody over from Red State Talk Radio. I'm just going to hang over a little bit, not a lot, okay? Um, <clears throat> but here's the thing. Here's Richard Henry Lee, another one of our um, early founders. A militia, when properly formed, are in fact the people themselves and include all men capable of bearing arms. Now, look, I get it. I got some feisty ladies in in our chat here, and I love all of you. But, you know, God's created us different, and he's given us different authorities, and he's given us different roles. Men don't have babies. They can't feed babies. They can't care, care for the home like a woman does. I mean, God has equipped women for those kinds of things. He really has equipped them. And it's not something that's beneath men, okay? It's not beneath men. It's very important. In fact, um, <clears throat> that old saying, the hand that rocks the cradle is the one that rules the world. You want to know where the power is? Right there in the home. Mom and dad. But the man is to be the protector, and the provider for the family. And as far as this, men, it is our duty not only to bear arms, but to use them accordingly in the protection of others. It is, if you will, a demonstration of love for other people to be armed. It really is. And to be useful in that uh, in using that arm that we carry. That is a demonstration of love. Some people don't see it that way. But if you stop a man with your weapon from raping a woman, from robbing your neighbor, from kidnapping a child, is that good or bad? That's good, isn't it? You're stopping a lawbreaker and you're demonstrating love for the one that the lawbreaker was going to take advantage of. So it's very important. This idea of the militia, this idea of being against a standing army, and you guys remember with Barack Obama, he wanted a citizen army. Well, the Constitution believes in a citizen army. It's called the militia. <laughs> that's what it is. But that's not what he wanted. Now we have so many agencies that are armed to the teeth. I'm going to see... If I can bring this up right quick, um, <clears throat> uh, because I, I'm going to put in the search here because it was so good. It was it was Ron Paul, and he was warning of arming agencies back in the 1990s, agencies like the Bureau of Land Management. Um, <clears throat> Have a little bit. I didn't even think about that till just now, and so uh, I don't know. I may have to end up finding it, and if I if I do, maybe I'll toss it in the archive. But I thought we had this up here. It may have been when I was at Freedom Outpost that it's up over on that site instead of somewhere else, and I'll, I'll put it up. But he warned about the arming of all of these unconstitutional agencies: the IRS, the BLM, the um, the ATF, the Post Office, all this other kind of stuff. You're building up a small army there out of D.C. That's what you're doing. okay? And again, it's unconstitutional because the real law enforcement officers are not those guys. It's a militia. That's what our Constitution says. okay? Now, <clears throat> another quote from one of our founders, James Madison, the father of the Constitution. He says the ultimate authority, the ultimate authority resides in... Who? The people alone. The people alone. The advantage of being armed, which the Americans possess over the people of almost every other nation, forms a barrier against the enterprises of ambition. And boy, do we have some ambitious tyrants that we're having to deal with today. Something else, Thomas Jefferson echoed Madison's words. He said, none but an armed nation can dispense with a standing army. And again, we, the, the, the founders kept looking at the standing army as a problem. 
because the standing army would be used not only against the people of their own country, okay, but against people in other countries lawlessly. And we've seen that. We've sent our men and women into countries unconstitutionally to kill, maim, and do all sorts of other things in order for those who would profit from such unconstitutional wars to get a leg up, to to make more money, to advance an agenda. Take a look at what's going on even with our military now. And again, I'm not trying to badmouth military people. That's not what I, that's not my intent. I'm saying look at what's going on. They are using the military in their genocide of American people. That's a fact. The military is delivering the depop shot. And not only delivering it, they're actually going and being engaged in giving it to people. Folks, this is, that's genocide. We see the numbers rolling out of the VAERS, and we know they're way higher than that. And the military is being used in it. And it's just here in the States. It's happening over there in Europe, too, giving you numbers for that as well. So all of that comes into play. <clears throat> we get a chance to focus here on this guy, Chipman, and the ATF. And I'll tell you, Again, the reason for you having arms is to be a part of the militia, part of that authority that Madison said that would stand up and would do the right thing. In fact, Madison went on to say, the safety of these states and everything dear to a free people must depend in an imminent degree on the militia. This arrangement should be formed too in time of peace to be prepared to be better prepared for war. We haven't got to the war part yet, okay? This is why it's important and I really do believe that um, God is raising up some people to make this more of the front issue, okay? This idea of the militia we still have a relatively peaceful time in most parts of the country. Many are setting up Second Amendment sanctuary cities. That's all fine and dandy, but ultimately that's a piece of paper. The militias need to be formed. They need to be trained. You need to do it out in the open. You don't need to act like you're out here, you know, where you can have something used against you. And you've got to be very careful because there's always federal infiltrators, informants, and all these other people who come in and do what they do. Okay? But this is a chance. You want a real solution? There it is. But it doesn't allow you to sit back and clap for Donald Trump or Joe Biden or whoever. It doesn't allow you to do that. It, it means that you have to get in the fight. Okay? You have to be involved in the fight. You have to be involved in the preservation of liberty for you and for your posterity. Again, we go back to Romans 13. Who's the king of Romans 13 in the United States? The people are. The people are. Your founders, the guy who wrote the Constitution, said you were. You're the, you're the authority. When are we going to start acting like that? Instead of acting like peasants begging for our masters to take the masks off our children or to provide food for us or some pay or tell us when we can go to work and when we can't, when are we going to start acting like we are the authority in the country? When are we going to start doing that? Hmm? When are we going to do it? And I'll leave that question with everybody. Everybody has to determine it for themselves. But the defense of our country, you want your country back, you're going to have to be the one who does it because the politicians aren't going to do it. It doesn't matter who they stick up there. It doesn't matter if they say everything that tickles your ears just right, just like Trump did for four years. You are still the authority, according to the father of the Constitution, to deal with tyranny. You guys are. I am. We the people are. 
And we're to do that in our respective states. Because why? Our states are sovereign. I know this is a hard concept for people to get to. Our states are sovereign countries. South Carolina is my country. Not the quote-unquote United States. South Carolina is. That's where I reside. That's where I live. That's where I'm a citizen. And we're going to have to start banding together and be what we're supposed to be. And that is the enforcers of the law. Because those charged with enforcing the law have been hirelings. Just like in the pulpit, when you get a guy who comes in and he's just there for the paycheck, he's, he's a hireling. When you get a guy who gets in law, law enforcement, not all, but there's quite a bit of them who are in there for a paycheck and because maybe they get a, a chance to knock some heads or whatever they want to do. Okay? But we can do away with all of that if the people would just understand they're the authority, they're the law enforcer, according to our Constitution, and then we start bringing justice that we so desperately need. That's the hope I want to give to you. We can do it, but we got to be diligent about doing it. One of the best places you can do that is go to uh, Tactical Civics. We've had uh, David Zuniga on. Zuniga. i got to say that correctly. <laughs> Zuniga. We've had David on before several times to talk about militia. Uh, there is an actual plan there that is actually branching out into counties around the United States in various states. Maybe you can be a part of it. Some of them have already been started. Uh, you guys listening in the chat, uh, Ricky, I think, is heading one up. I may be wrong about that. Southern gent. Uh, he, I think he's, he's heading one up, too. So go to Tactical Civics. Check out that. See what you can do to be a part of the solution rather than just being upset and not knowing what to do, you can be a part of a solution with that. All right, guys, that's what I wanted to leave with you. There are plenty of other quotes that I could give. I mean, there are some there there are some great quotes from our founders. There there really is. And in the ones that I've given you, they not only deal with the right to keep and bear arms, but also be a part of that militia that enforces the law. And that's what we're in need of right now. We're in need of people who trust God, who believe in his law and believe in his word, who adhere to the Constitution and are willing to do their duty because they've been given liberty to do so. All right? You guys have a great day. 3 o'clock, don't miss Bradley, 2 p.m. Central. SonsofLibertyMedia.com. See ya.